Welcome to Leadership Revealed, where John Paul shares his no-nonsense approach to all things leadership and scaling businesses. John interviews some of the most successful people in their industries to see what it takes to become a great leader. Be prepared for the truth about leadership and business. Please welcome your host, serial entrepreneur and top-selling author, John Paul. Hi guys and welcome to another edition of Leadership Revealed and I'm really really super excited to introduce you to my special guest. So for 20 years Anna Marcha Oud, hopefully I've pronounced that right, has been a behavioural advisor, a consultant, a trainer, a chairwoman and a keynote speaker. She's the CEO and founder of The Behaviour Company based in Amsterdam and they customise in personal development programmes for companies and organisations worldwide. And we've been talking a little bit off air just prior to the recording, and I'm super excited about some of the content we're going to be talking about. So, Anna, thank you so much for doing this. How are you? Well, thank you so much for having me. It is a tongue twister, isn't it? So call me Anne. That is much easier. Thank oh. you so much for having me on your show. Lovely. Thank you. So for everybody, um, uh, I've just probably done a massive disservice to your experience and your knowledge and, and where you are. But can you just give everybody a little bit of a background about who you are, how you got started, and and, and that type of thing? Sure. I, uh, I've i done the Academy of Arts, um, and I was, um, you could say, director and uh, actor as well, and also teaching when that finished. And then all of a sudden I was asked to perform, actually talk about performance on stage with a few business people. And those business people were, really eager to learn about stage presence and nonverbal communication. And I thought, doesn't everybody know this? Isn't this knowledge that everybody has? And I found out that that was not the case. So immediately then I started to think about, okay, I can use this in businesses and I can help people to not only become aware of how you have can have stage presence, but how you can use nonverbal communication and behavior, so to say the soft skills, um, in businesses. And I'm talking about 20 years ago. So a lot of people were not as aware as they are now about that subject. So yeah, it was really nice to start that way. And I'm still doing this. And of course, I've uh, developed over the years with more the psychological part of things to also, you know, when you're acting or when you're directing, you really try to help people to understand you can work from the outside as a director. Sometimes you say, okay, you have to broaden your shoulders a bit with this character because that comes across better but sometimes it's also working on the inside like how do you feel right now or what is holding you back as uh, somebody and it's still the same with businesses but then I work with uh, not with actors but with CEOs. But there's quite a, actually a, a good link between being an actor and and um, because you're pretending to be somebody else you're getting into the character and when we've got to go to a business meeting or some sort of conversation, sometimes we're just we're an introvert, but we've got to pretend to be a bit more confident, a bit a bit more of an extrovert. So I, I can see how much there's a there's a big link between the two. Yeah, really. And as a director, I always try to uh, because I don't do that anymore, but it's still in my background, of course. I always try to make sure that it's not fake because we see that if it's not congruent, we see the difference in somebody pretending to be you know, firm in there, but, but sometimes it helps people to get some tools to see, okay, what can I do with my body language uh, to be more confident? And and usually that helps to start to feel more confident. So it re it's really helpful. 
Yeah. Yeah. Good. So could you give us some sort of idea or, or, or tips or tricks or just a bit of an introduction into uh, like nonverbal behaviors? So how does it manifest itself in, in within a business? <laughs> you want, well, that, that's a broad question. <laughs> yeah, sorry. So yeah. I, I would say uh, all the time, everywhere, nonstop. Uh, so it, it, but that is exactly the question. I, I, I would say of the answer to the question because it's so important that people realize that the body language and uh, the non-verbal communication it, itself is happening all the time. And we see, luckily, it's much, much more than it was 20 years ago. But we see that people are still not aware on, you know, they have a message and that's uh, sometimes it's a firm message and they want to get it across or it's a great message and they want to get that across. And yeah. they don't understand that both the body language, but also the prosody, how you say things, how you um, what your tone of voice is, how important that is in business. And for me, it's it's still astonishing how less uh, or not how less, how how often it's not taught in business schools so that they don't focus on it a lot. When when we see that when you focus on it, you will have much more effective communication um, when you when you understand how important that is and what your qualities are as a leader. Okay, how do I come across and am I aware of that? And if I'm not effective, what can I do to behave differently? So there's so many specific advices, tips or tools that can apply to somebody, but for everybody it's different. And that's where the self-awareness comes in and reading about body language, but also adapting. So it's it's a broad question, but uh, lovely to see if people pick up on it. Yeah. Is it is it more of a science or an art? So it, it's a case of if you're crossing your arms, then it must mean this. If you're slouching down, it must mean that. Or is it is it a lot more complicated where you take a lot of behaviours into account and get an overall idea? So a little yes. bit of context. Yeah, so there, there's a, luckily there's a lot of science, more and more to back things up, but there's so many myths out there that are not right so everybody thinks well I think it's changing now because there are a lot of programs who helps educate people who help educate people that there's not not one single behavior indicative of lying for instance people think this and that's not true crossing your arms can mean many things what we have to look for is clusters or we have to see the whole setting. We have to take into consideration what, what are people talking about? What is happening? Um, how do they feel? So, so you can observe and that's very important, but you must be very careful that you think, oh, I'm seeing this. That means that. So it, it does help us to identify certain things. So for instance, if you say crossing the arms, it, it's a comforting behavior so there's there's nothing doesn't say anything although you can say oh it's I can see somebody comforting themselves maybe maybe they're cold maybe it's something else but if you observe the rest of the body and not everybody can see this because some people will listen to this but for some of you on video so if you see for instance a furred globella I would try doing this and you see mm, the lips disappear and I'm doing this and I'm like my body is is uh, my angle will change towards you then we've got some indication that we're not having a very comfortable conversation going on so if i observe all these different things i have more indication than only looking at the arms for instance because i'm talking to you and if i'm folding my arms like that it it doesn't mean a lot 
But we have to be aware that it might be for other people who are not educated, they might think, oh, this person is, as the myths say, oh, this person is closing off. No, that's not the case. And we're trying to educate others because there's so much science out there, luckily, to back us up, to say, okay, we have data, we have information that, that we try to get across uh, to others. But, but it's difficult because people like to have the quick fix. Oh, I know this now. So yes, I know what this person is saying or thinking. That's not the case. You can only use it. Mm, that's interesting. And um, we were speaking off air um, before we started this, and it, I was explaining about how at the minute it's quite tough to recruit, and there's a lot of difficult conversations, and it's like de- dealing with difficult people. How can um, your skill set and, and the you know the knowledge you've got? How can that help us have those difficult conversations? Yeah, thank you for asking. I love this subject so much. I've been loving it for twenty years. And in a way, I'm very grateful that people start to understand we have to do something in businesses to prevent um, things getting things get from getting worse. Because if you see that if you do not address difficult behavior, um, it starts to you know to simmer and rotten in the organization. And again, it, it's really awful what you see sometimes what's happening, and it can be very small. Um, you know, somebody's doing something that is not very you know not very nice or you don't really like it but up to the sorry yeah yeah it's not it's not accepted like the continually late or the coming into work or something yeah yeah and and would you say that's it's not the worst thing in the world but you could say it's not very pleasant or for your colleagues it might be uh, uh rude um so what we try to to help people with is to verbalize what you observe because first you have to observe it some organizations don't even see the behavior so either they don't want to see it or they're not aware they're so focused on other things on you know the commercial part or numbers or I don't know but it you have to see it first and then if you observe these behaviors you have to address it now that's not always easy for people to do and also, depending on what it is, you have to be alert. Okay, how am I going to address address this? So what I help people with, depending on how bad it is, of course, it, it might help you to work with patterns. So if you see something happening once, if somebody's late once, you, you say, okay, that's, you know, we're all humans. We're not robots. So yes, we'll be, somebody's late. If it happens a second time, okay, it's the second time. Hmm, but I have to be a bit more alert because it's the second time. And when you see it a third time, you can call it a pattern. So that's how I usually help people to look at and observe behavior. So is it is it is it once, is it twice, or is it a third time? And then you can address it in a different way. Now, depending on how bad it is. So what I see sometimes is that even if there's behavior that is not acceptable, People are afraid of conflict, so they don't speak up. They don't say anything. Oh, I don't dare to address this. Am I allowed to address this? Um, Maybe because of position in the organization, you don't dare to say it. So there are a lot of elements in there that you have to consider. Now, and the last thing I would, would really like to emphasize on is how you can do this is to really understand the difference between content, what is somebody saying, Uh, because they might say something very helpful that they've observed something with the client or, or, but um, so that's the content. And then you have to look for the way it said, the interaction, 
And when it is, it, is it said? So is it the right moment? Is it the right time? So if you focus on these, these three themes, it might be helpful to address things easier with difficult people. Now, so that's the first one. The second part, if you allow me to elaborate a bit more, is if there are people flawed of character, as we say, because then we are really, we need to equip ourselves with better knowledge and better behavior to work with these kind of people and to interact with them. With them. Because for instance, if you give feedback to a narcissist, um, that would be completely different in how they accept it as uh, in, uh, compared to a person who, well, are people not flawed of character. Yeah. And that's what we have to understand as leaders. And that's what I educate people on. Okay, if you are a leader, and you um, you have these kind of people that you call difficult because that's different for every leader. How do you approach them? Why do you think it's difficult? Yeah, yeah. yeah one thing I, I talk about is is emotion versus logic. If you go in mm-hmm. with, with emotion to a difficult conversation, that's the, the conversation's over before it starts because you're, mm-hmm. you're it's more of a blame. If you go in with logic, like facts and fiction, you know the saying facts don't care about your feelings. Um, obviously you want to have empathy, you want to have that emotional intelligence. But I think when I've gone into situations and I've thought this could be a little bit dicey, I've had to get rid of past, you know, terminate someone's employment or we've had to do something like shut down something. Um, it, it's not nice. But if you go in with facts and look, this is for the best, we can't continue to work with each other. You've, we've tried to give you the training. We've tried to help you and you're just not, you're not, um, you're not, picking up the gauntlet, so to speak. You're just, you know, doing things not in a, in a detrimental way to the business. It just makes it so much easier to have those conversations if you're dealing with the facts. Yeah, you really have to prepare those conversations. And if you prepare the facts, my plea would be also prepare how you are interacting with this person. Who is this person in front of me? Because if it's a quiet person, um, you need to have a different way, maybe, uh, you know, be silent a bit more or ask questions a bit more. So there are all these elements that sometimes people forget because they're so focused on the content and the fact that they don't really prepare. OK, how am I going to do this? Hmm, I might not do this Monday morning, but I will wait um, until Wednesday, for instance, uh, if, if that's logical to yeah. do. Or, OK, this person is very um, emotional all the time. Um, how am I going to help myself by not being affected by it? And how am I going to help this person to create, a, as possible, if possible, a, a, a conversation that has comfort for both parties? Because that's what I always try to educate people on is it's not just you and it's not just the other person. You both have to have a good conversation. So you can prepare with the facts, but please also prepare with how you will interact with this person. Yeah, I think I think also if if somebody's not not performing, you know they're not performing. They know not performing. All the colleagues will know they're not performing as well. And by you not doing something, you are sort of depositioning yourself as a leader. And it's a little bit yes. like, well, if it's okay for for John not to perform, I'm not going to perform because he's not going to get fired. I won't get fired. And and I think yes. it's, your reputation within the business sort of diminishes quite a bit. Exactly. It's your reputation, but it's also, I would say, not fair to others. So the other colleagues who see this kind of behavior, they might even feel, um, well, not validated because this person is allowed and they can do everything. The other way is true as well. If, if a leader is picky all the time, people start to 
you know, freeze because they don't feel um, free to make mistakes or all those kind of things, but not addressing behavior that is considered, um, uh, well, not it's not tolerable, then how will you ever learn your, your team how to perform? Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, how can non-verbal behaviour help with negotiation? Because a lot of our watchers or listeners are estate agents, real estate agents, so there'll be a lot of selling properties, a lot of renting renting properties. How, how can that how can that help? It ha- can help a lot. Is it is it online or will they see each other? That's personal. A lot of it will be face to face. So when they value a property or, or carry out a market appraisal, so yeah, it'll be a lot. A lot will be face to face. Yeah, so that's that's one thing we have to take into consideration these days is the online setting yeah. or the uh, the uh, face-to-face setting, preferably face-to-face because then you can read the whole body if possible. A glass table is always advised because then you can see the whole body, the whole, you know, the feet, the torso, all those kind of things um, because we're usually just focused on the face um, and and we, we don't really, uh, well, we do <laughs> with the nonverbal communication experts love the feet and everything. But when you interact with somebody, usually we, we, we think we only have to look at this part, but it's so much more to see. So with nonverbal communication within negotiations, again, prepare, um, who is this person? Uh, have I been in contact with this person uh, more often? And then it's also a choice. Sometimes you want to have tough negotiations, um, but usually you want to have great interaction and you want to, you know, if you're a bit more uh, informal, sometimes that can really help. So you can adjust the way you, uh, you're you you're talking, you can speed up your voice. But the most important thing is do understand on what they show you. So for instance, eye contact can teach us a lot about how they, so if you you say in a certain number and how they respond to this. Uh, So you can observe, is there discomfort in that moment? Or do you see, maybe you see a smile or maybe you see head nodding or you see somebody being fidgetive, you know? So if we see pacifying behavior, we can observe that this might be something that they're not comfortable with. So all these elements that you can observe might help you to to see how the other party, so to say, is responding to all of this. Now, when it comes to your negotiation skills, I think it's always very important to know yourself. So maybe when you're nervous, how do you respond? And maybe you can uh, hold, hold that back. Or maybe if you are very firm in your negotiations and you have this as we talked about earlier, the forward globella all the time, that might come across as a bit rude or a bit aggressive. So you have to check in on your own body language and to see, okay, maybe I'm going to go for the more friendly face this time to have a better interaction. So it's it's all about observations and self-awareness, if I would summarize all of this, because it's so in every little detail, we can see things. Um, and that's important for us to understand. If, especially when you're in a negotiation oh hugely i think the self-awareness things a very very important piece because at the minute there's a lot of um turmoil in the market because there's a lot of low-cost agents so agents that are charging very very little money to sell a property so so the, the good agents want to continue to charge medium to high fees but in order to get the business sometimes they've got to drop the fees so they're going into negotiations saying um and, and just like the tone of the voice one percent is that okay? Yes. You've got to yes. be confident, like like you say. Yes. Just, 
1.25% and I'll do a brilliant job and just be confident in your whole offering. Yes. And what you do is also the, the turtleneck, as we yeah. say. So it's like 1% and then you, you turn your face away and, and it's like the eyebrows goes up. So you see all these things and, and, and prosody, as you mentioned, indeed. So we see all these elements that will not only give us room for negotiation because if somebody says one percent i think oh maybe i can do uh i can still negotiate with this person but it will also show us at least we interpret that this way less confidence and um there's this thin line of being too aggressive and at least it's my opinion you know in in negotiations sometimes he can be really aggressive this is what i want da, 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 which might be effective in some negotiations but can also put people off oh this is so restrictive this is so direct i don't want to work with this person but usually when we see the balance between the two we just discuss like maybe this mm-hmm. higher voice doesn't show a lot of confidence so all these things um is what we can look out for uh, to to show that we we know what we want we know what to do and there might be room again in content yeah. in negotiations with the facts but we say well one one percent we you know we have a broader um broader shoulders uh, we yeah. use more space um and that helps us to give a different yeah perception to the other person if you want to pick a couple of quick wins or quick tips that that you would say to somebody this is what you need to do to be more confident therefore it will improve your negotiation skills i mean i like the one like broad shoulders you know keep your voice the same rather and and you know get don't do the turtleneck is there anything else just some quick wins for any of the watchers or viewers or, or listeners that they can trial yeah, sure. That's taking up space. Um, don't overdo it because you have these, you know, there's broad uh, people who sit like this and, oh. and that would not be advised because it's that might be a bit too. That, isn't it? A bit yeah, that, that looks very comfortable, but uh, it's not associated <laughs> associated with uh, with uh, comfort and uh, trustworthiness in a way when you are talking like that. But but um, I would say so taking taking up space is better than just diminishing yourself and, and being very small. Eye contact is always very important, but also listening. So if I say something and I give room to the other person to speak as well, that also helps to uh, to show that you, you dare to go into an interaction, so to say. Um, but if I, and, and if you want to show that you are very confident, I would not speak too quickly just take your time with talking um maybe use hand gestures because that shows that you dare to take up space again all these kind of elements that that are very quick wings and of course knowing what you talk about and what you have prepared is important as well yeah would you say emotional intelligence is very important in this like self-awareness, yes. self-awareness, yes, regulate self-regulation. I, th- I imagine empathy is hugely important, seeing it from their side. Yes, absolutely. Understanding and also knowing why that is is true to them and understanding, yes, it's ab- I, of course you want to pay less, 
who wants to pay more, you know, so you have to understand that, but also see the body language. And especially when it's, uh, for instance, real estate, it could be with a personal, when people buy houses, it's all very emotional. Mm. And, and for the other person, it could be just a transaction. So also understanding that you're on a different level emotionally, that helps you to emphasize um, uh, um, have empathy as well yeah that's a difficult yeah. word emphasize it is. It is. <laughs> no i get Emph- it emphasize yeah. yeah so um uh so those kind of things will help you to see and if you if you see for instance what i always love when somebody's negotiating so this person that you're negotiating with might not be talking but all of a sudden you might see mm, the lips disappear they're a bit startled if you address that oh, is there anything you want to say about this? Or what do you think about this offer? Then they feel validated in the moment and they haven't even verbalized their needs yet, but you have, you've observed it and you address it and you can help them to say, do you feel comfortable with this? Is there any way I can you know, help you with this? Or what will it take you to say yes to this offer? Um, and that is content, but it comes from observing the nonverbal communication on the other end of the table, uh, so to say. So that will help you. That's another tip, by the way. Don't always sit across from each other uh, when you're negotiating, but try to to sit as in an angle. That gives a better um, because when we when we sit across from each other, it might feel more um, confronting than when we sit in an angle from each other. Right. So that could help as well. I like that. I, I like this type of negotiating because it feels as though you can both win. I think the um, the Wolf of Wall Street type negotiation where it's all about trial clauses and persuasion and, and, and manipulation to some degree, I think somebody tends to, has to have to lose at that. But this mm-hmm. type of negotiation skills, when you use an empathy and you, 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 you know, you, you're looking at the nonverbal cues and then that's when you're allowing them to interject. I just feel that's yes. a win for everybody. Yes. And, and you, and of course it's a choice and you also have to look at stakes. If your stakes are very high, sometimes you have to push for that. Um, But you can do it in a way that you also understand, okay, this I I need to have, but at that part, I can negotiate a bit more relaxed or I can give them that part so that I can get, so it's a whole agenda. And if you just focus on sometimes when it's, you know, if you have short term, negotiation going on okay sometimes you have to be uh, blunt but you can be blunt on content and not in a relationship but that that is my opinion because you want to go for comfort especially if you see that in long term you have to meet up with them again or you need people to be your advocate or your your ambassador so to say this person he was so nice yes I paid a bit more but we had a great um, interaction going on. And that's also worth something instead of, well, he um, was really, well, was really tough and it didn't really like to work with this person or, yeah. you know, he sold us the, the real estate, but wasn't very kind. You don't want that going on because that's also your business. Um, and it's a different way of business than the money part, but how people talk about you is really important. Oh, huge. Um one of the one of the um, uh, the YouTube videos I watched uh, of you when you were talking about negotiation skills was the lo- having the long term effects in mind. Mm-hmm. Can I just explain a little bit about that. Well, that's what I mean by this. If you know that it's not just okay, I'm going to see you now and I will never see you again. Yeah, maybe you want to choose for a bit of more 
firm interaction. But when I know that we have to negotiate again and again and again, um, I I really have to understand it's not just in the here and now. I have to form a relationship. I have to form effective communication in the now, but also thinking about the future. So if I'm very rude or if I'm um, offensive to you, you know, you you might grant me what I want in the here and now. But in the future, you will be a more difficult negotiation partner because then you have the effects of last time. And when we talk about emotions, you might take that on board like, oh, last time on the marriage, she was really, you know, awful. I'm going to be more prepared now. I'm going to fight with her. Well, in a way, yeah. you know, so if, if you see that going on um, and, and you see it happening again, you have to observe if if this person that I'm negotiating with gets more and more irritated. You have to work on that in the here and now to prevent problems in the future. Yeah, I think that's very relevant of real estate. And I'll, I'll give you an example. So, I've, you know, I've sold your house, reasonable interaction to start off with. But because I've sold your house, my um, energy levels have dropped because in my head I've sold it. Um, interactions between us sort of diminish. You're too far through the process to say, do you know what, John, I'm taking my house with somebody else. But guess what? You won't use me again. Um, exactly. You'll refer other companies to your friends. And, yes. and, and, I, and I think in real estate, we think, oh, we sold the house, that's it, job's done. Yeah. Customer service and experience can finish. It's in, in, If anything, it's the opposite. It needs to step up. Yes, exactly. Because at that moment when you – so. I love that you say this because it's so important to not just think about the, the contract moment, but afterwards. And I've recently experienced it myself and my real estate agent, he was really helpful in the after service as well. Is there anything you need? Do you have any questions? Um, and and that, not that I really needed it, but the fact that he asked is also a reassurance like, oh yes, it's not done yet. We still have to yeah. go through other um, uh, systems and we have to do other things. So that was really helpful. And as a result, I'm somebody recently, a friend of mine who wants to sell his house, I re I'm referring to this person yeah. and that's how it works because of the interaction. Because of all these interactions and say in the perfect world, you've got a team of a dozen, 10, 12 people and we all understand each other and we, we interact better that ultimately is going to, and we have difficult conversation when they're needed. And because of those conversations, that person's behavior has been called out, has been pulled up upon. So hopefully it ends. Ultimately, something, it's not simple, and I don't mean to say it's simple, but ultimately by having those those conversations, it leads to a much, much better work environment for everybody and a happier environment yes. a culture. Yeah. I agree. I fully agree. I yeah. wish it was that easy. Um, I think we're all working on it with your podcast, me with educating people all the time. Um, yeah. Because people think it's so easy. Oh, you just have the conversation. And I'm I'm always shocked. Like, we know this. Everybody knows this. But why don't they do this? Now, sometimes it's culture that people don't dare to speak up. So, for instance, in the Netherlands, we tend to say things more then I will also work in the UK. It's a bit less um, blunt, but still in the Netherlands, people are, are in trouble by verbalizing, or not in trouble, uh, find it difficult to verbalize little things they come across. And I, I have an example of somebody who is really stressed. And, and sometimes I come into companies to 
to de-escalate situations. So there was this big team and everybody had little different problems with each other. So it's for me to find out what's going on and and to to um, interview them and to see where's the common theme and where's little personal things happening. Because they were at the point that they didn't want to verbalize it towards each other. So first they need me as kind of a, you could say, a neutral person that they dare to speak up to. So there was this example of a lady who was really, really stressed because somebody called her by her name all the time. So I would say, well, John, yes, well, John, this is it. And, and it was so stressful for her. Now, for the other person, she didn't notice. She continued that behavior. You and I might say, oh, okay, that, that is something different that you can be stressful. But it's happening. It, it's serious. So I provide, um, knowing that, I provide an atmosphere where they can speak up and where I help them how to verbalize it so they can address this to this person and she said it like oh I have to tell you something oh it's so difficult for me but yes you call me by my name all the time and it's so stressful I feel like a child and this other woman who did that she was like oh I'm so sorry I didn't know that was a problem I will stop that behavior and the other person was so released oh I didn't know that this was so easy for me, when I'm sitting there as, you know, as a teacher or, or a trainer or a, 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 an advisor, I'm in shock that it has to come to this far for people to act up. But once you do that, they were actually, you know, better. They were happy. They were like, oh, this is so easy. Thank you so much. Because we might not know what triggers these people, but if they don't verbalize it, yeah, it's a it's a it's a problem, and this is a little one, but it can be much much bigger. Is it is it down to pretty much fear, fear of conflict, fear of having that conversation, fear of the unknown, how they're going to react? Is that why people in the main don't have these conversations mm -hmm. that people need to be had? Well, I not all the time. Sometimes they literally don't know how to say it. Uh, sometimes it's because they're too busy because they, they're like, okay, I really want to address this, but I have to go to the next meeting. And then they kind of forget about it or deliberately leave it behind because of their big um, intense schedule. But I see it has to do with reaction a lot of times. Um, people think they, they sculpt something in their head, like, oh, this person might react this way. We are social beings. We don't want to be rejected. So the, sometimes it's if we speak up, we might have the idea, oh, what if I'm rejected on that part? Or what if I offend somebody by the way that I'm mm. verbalizing my feedback? So by by helping people to see, oh, you can verbalize it with describing the facts, as you said. So this is what I see. And then the effect, this is what the effect is on me, or this is the effect on the project, or this is the effect on the company. And then the th third step, helping the other person by providing new behavior. Well, could you be on time next time? That's very logical. But sometimes is it next time if you meet up with a customer, um, uh, just first address project A and then go to the detail. You know, it could be very simple, but uh, um, helping people to understand, oh, I, I have to verbalize the content or the observed behavior. Then I have to verbalize the effect of that behavior. And then I can help others with a different behavior um, or a, a wish. You know, I wish you would not call my name uh, every time you ask something, which is a minor thing, but at least you've 
verbalized it. Yeah. Anna, this has been absolutely fascinating. I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this. Um, if people want to get in touch with you or, or, or see about your courses, how, how do they, I mean, we'll put all the links in, but how do they find out? Do they just go to the behavior company? That would be great. It's always lovely to meet up with people online. They can also uh, go to LinkedIn um, and uh, yeah, get in, t- in contact. I'm also on Twitter. So it's on the out, which is not easy, but you will write it down. So that is helpful. Yeah. Yeah, we'll put all the contacts uh, in in the description. But I just want to say, Anna, thank thank you so much. It's been brilliant. Really enjoyed it. And uh, to everyone else, we'll see you next time on Leadership Revealed. Mm